Thank you. Don't, don't you love that song? I do. I tell you, it's unbelievable, and it's worship. The Bible in Revelation, the first chapter, verse number 12 through 20, is our text. I think the day is coming that there's going to be massive conflict as it relates to values and faith in our country. There's already some conflict. If you look careful, you, carefully, you will see that, that the deceptive powers of darkness and what I call an antichrist spirit is already very, very prevalent in our world today. Started many, many years ago. One of the noticeable is when prayer was taken out of the schools and now they're trying to take, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, uh, out of the oaths, the Word of God out. And, of course, we know Bible reading and Ten Commandments, all of that stuff. That's, that's not new news. Where the conflict comes in is when the church receives a fresh anointing of fire and the church says no longer are we going to stand idly by and watch and watch seemingly the forces of darkness rule over a value system that belongs to God and his church. If I fail to let the kids out and want to let them go to their places of ministry now, <clears throat> I think they're going to go anyway. So that's good. But I want to give you a picture, if I can, just for a few moments. If you can bear with me, I promise not to preach any longer until I get through. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up. I promised to land the plane the first time. I've heard preacher friends who it took them five landings to try to get the thing landed. I'm going to land it the first time. Amen? But if you help me out and encourage me along the way and give God a little bit of praise, we'll, we'll get the message that God wants us to have. John is the writer. He's the anointed one in the uh, writing in, of Revelation. You see the exciting truths of Christ. Now, the fact of the matter is to give us a little peek into what's going to happen in the future as we know. For example, the rapture of the church. Uh, for example, the, uh, the millennial reign. For example, out of, the, out of the book of Revelation, it tells us what heaven is like. And, and we're going to see what Jesus looks like as it relates on his throne. And we see all that. We also see out of the book of Revelation what's going to happen to the devil and how that's going to be managed. We find that as we're going to visit Israel in about a week from now, many of us are going to be able to stand over Megiddo. We're going to be able to stand on top of Mount Carmel. And we're going to see that valley, a massive valley of thousands and thousands and thousands of acres and nothing but just open land where the Bible says that when the slaughter takes place, that in fact the blood will be up to the bridle of the horses. We will see that in about 10 days from now. It is reality. I think the day is coming in which casual Christianity is going to be out the door. John in Revelation, of course, tells us in writings of Jesus in the second, third chapter, he said, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'd rather you be hot or cold than to be what? Than to be lukewarm. And one of the great things about vision today is to cast us, to move us aside from being lukewarm into the arena of where it's hot. I told Nick before I baptized him tonight, I said, how's the water feel? He said, feels pretty good. 
I said, there have been times that were so hot that we had to throw ice in the water to cool it down to even get in. You would have thought we were slaughtering hogs in that baptistry because it was so hot. And then there have been other times that the heater didn't turn on and it was a, war, a great, great winter day in Florida. And I'm, I'm telling you, you, got in and it was so freezing, you couldn't take it. No way to warm it up. I said, hey, I'd rather it be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. But in the baptistry, I'd just assume it be lukewarm. John says in Revelation 1, please stay with me now because God's going to speak to some of you. And you're going to get absolute deliverance tonight and you're going to get clarity in your thinking. And the devil is going to take his hand of influence of lying to your mind and your spirit. And you're going to see a new path before you before it's over. He said, on the, day, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Imagine that now. He declared that the voice of the Lord said in Revelation 1:11, with a loud voice like a trumpet, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, here he says, write in this book. In other words, make it abundantly clear to everyone that comes after you. Share it with the churches. Share it with the seven churches. And we know Revelation 2 and 3, he does. And during his vision, he catches a, a picture of Jesus. In that vision, he sees it as clear as clear can be. Revelation 1, 12 through 16. He sees the seven candlesticks of gold. And among them stood the Son of God. He said, this is what the Son of God looked like. He was wearing a white robe. His hair was white as wool. His eyes were as fire. His feet were burnished, uh, burnished bronze. His voice was like thundering waves. He had seven stars in his right hand. He had a double-bladed sword in his mouth, and his face shone like the sun. John said, I was so overwhelmed, as the Scripture declares, I fell at Jesus' feet as if I were dead. Listen, my friend, my prayer is again that we'll have such an encounter with Jesus Christ and the power of God and the Holy Spirit that once again we will fall down in humility, in power, and say, God, I cannot stand when I'm in your holy presence because you are greater than the natural force of any mankind. Jesus wanted John to be able to see these truths. Number one, that he wasn't dead. And number two, that he wasn't weak. And number three, he was not going to let him nail him to the cross again. And number four, he was not fragmented. And he was not in disarray. And he certainly was not defeated. He's painting a picture to John and say, I want you to know, John, I am very much in control. I am very much alive. I am ready for confrontation as a mighty warrior. And then John, or then the Lord shares with John his New Testament proclamation in Revelations 1, verse 17 and 18. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. There are no other dispensations known than these, the past, the present, and in fact, the future. 
We know that John was prisoner on the Isle of Patmos. And my friend, that was the most desolate place you could be involved in. John had a plethora as it relates to a volume in his mind and memory of what it had been like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus uttered to him, I am the conqueror of the past. Revelation 1, 13a or 18a, he said, I am the living one and I was dead. I was dead. Warren Wearsby says, and I quote, do not say, why were the former days better than these? He said, you do not move ahead by constantly looking into the rearview mirror. Let me read that for some of you again. You do not move ahead by constantly looking in the rearview mirror, looking at your hurt, looking at your anxiety, looking at your loss, looking at your disappointment, looking at your failure. You do not move ahead looking in that mirror. He said, the past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you down. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. We don't live in it. John was a prisoner exiled, as I mentioned on the Patmos, a treeless, deserted island of, 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 of volcanic disarray and just dust so fine that it'd get in your eyes and your ears. His prison was a cave, but his vision in the midst of that great darkness, that island that had no life on it, his vision had transformed his prison into a panoramic view of future events. God showed it to him in the Spirit. John was the only one of the disciples still alive. Sixty years had lapsed since the death of the last disciple, and John knew the past. You didn't have to sit down and say, let me remind you of what you've gone through. Let me remind you of what the church has gone through. Let me remind you what Peter has gone through. Don't let me have to remind you what Thomas and Matthew and others, he knew the fear of those in the early church. That the minute that they said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, it meant that there were those on the hunt for their lives and their family. He knew the rejection of Jesus' message. They could not comprehend it. Jesus said, as we talked about it, when he came over the Mount of Olives this morning and we looked at that, he said, you are blind and what is happening to you is because you did not receive the message that was there. He knew the strength of the mighty Roman guards. He knew the oppression of the living truths that were there that they downplayed. He knew the condemnation by the religious world to those that were followers of Jesus. He still remembered vividly the crucifixion. He remembered seeing Jesus after the resurrection, but he also knew the words of Jesus. So he said, I know that. I saw that. I experienced that. But here's the Word of God, and God's Word is real and revelant to us right now. Let it speak to you. Romans 8, 36, even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long, and we are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Wow. What kind of emotion does that strike in you? I think I want to run down and sign up to follow Jesus. I think I want to run down and take another tour in the army of God. I think I want to run down and take another stab at what it means in being a follower and a believer of Christ. He said we're counted as sheep 
is the slaughter. But listen carefully to me, friend. Everybody that you appreciate, everybody that you know, every hero out of the Bible, and every person that you hold in high esteem are individuals who gave everything they had for a common cause. Every disciple gave their life. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, as he's speaking to him, wanted him to know that though he was dead, which was the ultimate defeat, he now is alive. Do you know what it's like to be dead? I've seen a lot of people walking around that I thought were dead. They had the dropsy. They had no excitement. They had no emotion. They had no life, no vibrancy. All they wanted to do was murmur and complain and talk about what they didn't have. Oh, I remember when they were alive, when they were enjoying the favor of God and they had a wonderful family and had all the things that goes along with a great, great life until tragedy or difficulty and heartbreak hit them. And now I see them today often, and there are many of them that walk as if they're dead. They've forgotten their joy or what it's like. And Jesus said, hey, I, I was once dead, but listen to me. In order for you to die and to resurrect, I had to die and be resurrected. So though you are dead, I want you to know you can come alive. He's saying to John, John, you remember the old agenda. The old agenda is the crucifixion. The old agenda is I died. The old agenda is that there seems to be no promise. The old agenda looks like a deserted island here, but there is a new agenda that is about to be adopted, and I'm going to have a harvest that that is unbelievable. Why? You may understand what's going on in your past, but you will need to make your decision right now to say, God, what do you have for me right now at this present moment? He said, I am conqueror of the present. I am. You know, I think about the good old days. How many of you think about the good old days? You know what the good old de days did? They loved us so much they got up and went. <laughs> I remember the days of the corned beef, beef hash, barbecue sandwiches on stale bread. You know, if you put stale bread in the oven, put a little cup of water in, turn that oven on, a little steam will come, and that old stale bread will come to life. You know what I'm talking about? Don't be afraid of a little moldy bread. Oh, we look a little mold today. Just cut that sucker off. Get rid of it. Amen? A little part of it might have a little mold on it. I believe in the 22nd rule. You drop it on the floor. Amen? Don't let the devil have it. Reach down and get it. But now with my new commitment, I'm going to let a lot of things fall on the floor. Listen carefully. Behold, I am alive forevermore in Revelation 1.18. What does that mean? Behold, I am alive forever and ever. The word behold is strong and it means take heed, listen up, sharpen your ears so you can hear in an acute way. Take note, John, take note, John, as you share it with Victory Church. On their 30th anniversary, tell them to take note. The word behold, heed, and take note. Henry Kissinger, back in January of 1989, made this statement. 
He said, more than any time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leading to despair and the other hopelessness or an utter hopelessness. The other leading to total destruction. He said, let us pray that we have the wisdom to choose correctly. What a great choice. You're either going to take a path to utter destruction and despair, or you're going to have total destruction. Jesus is speaking to John in the Spirit. And he's saying, listen carefully. I want you to know that the day of the devil having the tool to destroy is over. The day of his ability to use death as a weapon is over. Because I have conquered the great force of death. You see, sometimes in our lives, we have what I call a death experience. Maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe a divorce, maybe sickness that's critical. Maybe it's bad news. Maybe it's an investment that's gone sour. Maybe something of that nature has taken place to you. And you understand and say, wow, I don't understand that. We know that death does take place in those regards. But here's what I do know. It's only after death can new life, in fact, begin. It appears Jesus wants John to be seriously impacted by what he's seeing. Jesus wants John to look beyond the past. And he says, you will never rule the future until you can deal with the present, forget the past, leave it alone. It's back there. It's dealt with. The cross is over. The empty tomb is still empty that's there. Now, take a look at your present and determine what you're going to do about where you are right now. Because only after you deal with who you are now in dealing with death and dealing with your past, dealing with the present, can you move forward to understand the beauty of the future. You talk about bad breaks. My Lord of mercy, everybody that's aggressive, everybody that's breathing, everybody that you know that's worth their salt has had back break, bad breaks. Jesus wants John to know, hey, he is not the conquered. John, I'm not the conquered. I am the conqueror. And he says, I want you to know that I've come to transform you and everybody you know to transform them into the beauty of the holiness and the image of me. So Jesus can walk into your situation and say, do you want to be transformed? Do you want to be changed now? Do you want deliverance now? Do you want a new ideology now? Do you want to once again rise to the place where you're shouting unto Jesus, glory to God and to the highest? Do you want to step out of the quicksand? Do you want to un, un, unsaddle yourself from the burden and the challenge of what might be bogging you down and deal and say, God, here's what I want and all I want right now. I want you to transform me from the inside out. And Paul writes in Romans 12 to the Amplified, don't you be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be you transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind. He said, by the new ideals and its new attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. 
He's saying, listen, don't act and behave as if you have no hope. Don't act and behave as if you are the defeated. Don't act and behave as if you do not need to behave properly. He says, don't act that way. Become transformed by the knowledge and the relationship and the power of Almighty God. God can deliver and redeem and resurrection and heal. And when we believe that, faith comes alive and therefore in and through us, new life begins to flow and we begin to see the miraculous touch of God. I spent a number of years, I've been in ministry, as you know I say this often, I've been in a long time, a long time. It's hard to believe I, I baptized my uh, grandson, six foot three, he'll turn, I guess, 18 in a couple days, right, right? Sherry, 18, it'll be 18. I said, what, where, what happened to him? You know, it's like, what happened to him? All of a sudden, he's just a little kid. I got a picture of my fridge, you know, and I thought he grew, he grew up. It just time flew by. Transformation took place. Corey Ten Boone said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So I want to pause here. Are you ready to engage? Do you believe you've reached your highest spiritual potential? Do you believe that what you're going through ought to rule your day tomorrow? Do you believe the devil should sit on his throne taunting you? Do you believe you ought to have to put up with that? Or do you truly believe that it is possible? That in your mind and in your heart that you can will by what you say and what you believe and what you choose to say. Lord, I'm living in an age of transformation. Where I'm at, that's what Jesus wanted John to see. Look around you in the natural, John. You're on a deserted island. It's the worst place in the world to be. But he said, I'm showing you a panoramic view of what it means when you are transformed. Many saw Peter's shadow in Acts 5, 15, and they ran out in the streets so that that shadow might fall on them. And Jesus said that when you behold him, when you behold him and you embrace him and you fall in love with him. I was thinking about that. When you fall in love with him more and more and more. Listen, you won't have to worry about whether if you're living on the edge of the line. You won't have to worry about unbelief. You won't have to worry about fear. You will be so full of the power and the presence of God. You'll understand what it means when he says, I am alive forevermore. Do you ever get run down and tired? I do. I had to run down and tired. I preached my heart out this morning. Had about an hour and a half at the house. Ran crawling the baptistry, baptized people. Ran and threw out there. You, you, you walked in my office. You, I got robe everywhere, towel everywhere. Get in this. And then when you get out of that, you're just hot, clammy, and sweaty. How many know what I'm talking about? And then come up here and then to preach. And you ain't giving me much encouragement until right now. But I didn't come in here tonight just for a casual experience because the Holy Spirit told me there's some of you that are going to get into the supernatural power of God and an anointing is going to liberate you and set you free and change your mind and the forecast of your future. It's going to happen. Finally, he said, I'm the conqueror of your future. I'm the conqueror of your future. 
He said, Behold, I'm alive forevermore, and it shall be. The word amen. He adds amen. Thus it shall be. Revelation 1, 18b, I have the keys of death and of Hades. In the past, we know that before the death of Christ, there were those in the Old Testament that were individuals that, that were not God's people that died and went to the abyss or Hades. We see that story in, in Luke 16, verse 23, those of Abraham, though, were comforted by those who were lost and were in torment. And they were separated by a great gulf. And Ephesians 4, 9 says, Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And when Jesus descended into the depths of hell, he released those that were in bondage who had been faithful to the cause of Jehovah. He released them. And in Acts 2.31, his soul, however, was not left in hell, neither his flesh did he see corruption. Therefore, he's declaring to John, I went through death, I went through the halls of death, I went through the prisons of death, and those that were faithful to me and Jehovah, I liberated them, and now I'm here to tell you that I am out, and I've come to finally destroy the greatest force known to mankind, and it is the influence of the enemy. And so John saw in Revelation 1, verse 16, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. He wanted John to understand what you see now is a warrior. I've come to settle the score. I got death behind me. I don't need 10,000 angels. I don't need any help because I am Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the resurrected one. And I have on my mind and my agenda everything known to mankind that's harmed my people, that's harmed my church, I am coming alone to deal with them. And then we know that there is a moment he does other things and brings us with him into the wonderful winning of the victory. Then he says, he saw as a warrior, Revelation 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. I've come to conquer. And I looked and I saw there was a white horse whose rider carried a bow. And a crown was given to him and he rode forth conquering and to conquer. Listen, friend. The sweet presence of the Holy Spirit is here. I look at Washington and I think, my gracious, who can you trust? I look at individuals and I think, church, come on and wake up. I look at circumstances and I think, what hope is there? But I want you to know when I speak that way, I'm speaking as if Jesus does not have an agenda to come and conquer. I forget when I think that way that he said through you, you're going to be greater 
as the work of the ministry than I was when I was here. When I think that way, I think I'm about to give up and about to quit and I've lost touch. But then when I remember, hallelujah, that that wonderful Savior of ours looked and rode on the white horse with a bow in his hand and he said, there's a crown given to him. And he said, he's coming to conquer. I'm here to tell you, we don't have to wait until then to begin to conquer our own life, our own emotion, our own businesses and trust God to see what in fact he can do. The Spirit of Christ is already available to us, giving us the ability to conquer. So who's the greatest enemy that I face? Me. You. Your greatest enemy is not an enemy out there. It's not your boss, your business. Your greatest enemy is do you believe what's being preached? And you say to yourself, I know in whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him this day. God, I want you to know I'm about to rise to a new level. I'm about to think and talk and act like an individual that has an agenda in Jesus Christ. God, clothe me with your power. Anoint me with your blood. Let your Holy Spirit run in and through me. For it does not make what weapon might be formed against me. I know there's something in me awaiting to get loose that will overcome all the powers of darkness. God, you can change the minds of people. You can turn situations around. You can give miracles where there's not even a seed for a miracle because you don't need anything to create something. That's the God that I serve, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob and yet the church sits by and we think that we have forgotten that may God cause us to rise up in this day and age because there are people out there that need to get saved amen mean ones drunk ones on drugs sideways with society that need to hear the touch of almighty God John F. Kennedy used to end his speeches many years ago and that'd be around 1960 I was just a little child, 1960. And Kennedy would end some of his speeches about a story of Colonel Davenport, who had been the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Connecticut. And one day in 1789, he said that house had gathered in Hartford, Connecticut. And all of a sudden, the wind began to blow and the dark clouds began to come and it got dark. They thought the end is here. Life is about to end. The windows began to shake. You could hardly see anything on the outside. And those in the house began to clamor for an immediate adjournment wanting to get out of there. And Kennedy quoted Davenport as saying, Gentlemen, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish the candles to be brought in so we can carry on. In other words, he said, there's no use to get upset if judgment is not there. I want to encourage you with all of my heart and all of the anointing that I can gather. Let's believe God that the best day of God's anointing and Holy Spirit is right here, right now. 
rather than fearing. Some of you are walking in fear, fear rather than fearing what is to come. May I encourage you, get back to your faithfulness. Get back to your excitement. Get back to your positive attitude. Get back to a plan. Get back to an agenda that brings glory and honor in God. And don't let your life be guided by fear and the past and heartbreak. Stand up and watch what God can do. But you need to do it God's way. And when you do it God's way, I'm here to tell you, Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, which in fact strengthens me. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then finally, we get to see it. Revelation 20, 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. When you say the name of Jesus, you already put torment into the mind of the enemy. Would you stand? We prepare to engage in worship for a moment. He said, I have come to rule. Jesus wanted John to know that neither the deserted Isle of Patmos nor the prison bars ruled him. He wanted John to know that he had come to rule with righteousness. And John said, as he saw a truth in Revelation 21, then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now is the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. I'm here to tell you, you and I have a great opportunity to behold the face of Jesus, to let the past be the past, to look beyond the present and grow now, and prepare as the children of God. For he said to you, to me, you, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you might proclaim the excellency of him who's called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy do you believe that I believe that so I was asking those of you online just pay attention those of you that are in this room and you're saying you know what I've been beat up I've been pushed back I've been pushed down I've let lies of the enemy control my thoughts I haven't been sleeping I haven't been doing the things that I know as as a celebrated believer is engaged in. But tonight I'm claiming an absolute clarity of mind. I no longer want to live in a fog. I no longer want to worry about what's going to happen to my future. 
I no longer am going to give the enemy an opportunity to speak to me and me believe him. But right now I'm declaring a new agenda. And that new agenda is the holiness of Almighty God. As a family, some of you need to say, we no longer are going to have the top priority of working and jobs. Those are important. But we're going to establish a family altar and we're going to learn what it means to take some time every day with our family to talk about God, to talk about His love and read His Word. We're going to behave like a chosen generation. And then for those of you whose heart may not be right with Jesus, and maybe you want to get it right, I want to ask you, everybody, to repeat this prayer with me. Would you do that, dear Heavenly Father? I thank you for Jesus Christ, thank you for Jesus Christ the, Son the Son of the living God. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus you, died for my sins. you died for my sins. I confess right now I, confess right now, I, have, sinned. I have sinned. I have taken a wrong path, taken a wrong path. And, I need your forgiveness. and I need your forgiveness. So redeem me, so redeem me. And, give me favor. and give me favor. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. We're going to sing this song of worship. And as we sing this song of worship, as there's faith, if there's faith in your heart, you slip out and slip into this altar. And we're going to pray over you and believe God for you. And something dynamic will happen to some of you as you exercise that faith right here and right now. Let's worship. The rest of us, just stay, stay right where you're at. Steady for a moment till we get to the end here. Here we go, everybody. Worship. There is power. Let's sing it together, everybody. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power, there's power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, to break every chain. There is power in the 
just kind of, uh, and I know some of you are not used to this, but we're in the presence of Jehovah. We need to learn to practice what it means for personal. Would you kindly just take your hands and maybe raise them toward the Lord? When you raise your hands, it is a point of surrender. Just hold them up and talk to God one-on-one. Let Him breathe on you and tell Him what you love Him and how much you love Him. Can we do that right now as we continue to worship? Just one or two more minutes, then I'll give the benediction. Here we go. Everybody, just talk right out loud in your own heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Your name is all we need. Eternal King, you will reign forever. We will sing the glory of your name. Thank you, Lord.
Amen. Father, I declare, decree, by the authority and the anointing that you have given to me, the shepherd of this flock, I command the powers of the enemy shall loose his grip, his lying voice into the ears of those that we serve with, that God's circumstances will change, that faith will rise in the heart and life of every person. I believe that families will establish a family altar. I believe there are some that will begin to pray together as a couple and as their family and children gather together. I believe there's some that's going to walk in their job tomorrow and something is going to be different. I think some are going to walk into a darkened house tonight because they're alone. And God, they're going to sense and feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. I believe there's some, God, that are going to have a prayer answered this week. I believe there's some, hallelujah, that's going to receive a miracle of healing. I believe there's some that's going to have an encounter with Almighty God like never before. I believe some are going to be confronted by their sin. I believe they're going to be delivered. I believe they're going to be anointed in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you the praise. And everybody said, amen. Amen. As we sing it again, greet somebody, fellowship with them, and enjoy the presence of God.
you're doing in our lives. God, thank you that it doesn't stop here. God, that we take it with us tonight. Bring us back on Wednesday, God, to worship you with everything that we got. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the word that was brought forth. Help us to apply it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, if you're thankful for Jesus, give him one more shout of praise tonight. Hey, thanks for staying in worship with us. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. We love you.